Hello and welcome to The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy. And today, as always, we've got an amazing guest on our show. He is globally ranked as a top leadership coach, is an internationally recognized keynote speaker, and an author of 16 books that have been translated into 10 different languages. Welcome to the show, John Baldoni. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Dr. Dave. Um, thank you for having me on today. So, oh, This is a pleasure, absolutely. So we have just survived a major world crisis here. I'm guessing by the, your most recent book that's coming out in April here, Grace Under Pressure, Leading Through Change and Crisis, you're predicting a somehow more global turmoil uh, what do you what do you see coming up no not at all not at all <laughs> and um we're still enduring this pandemic although we yeah, want to put totally. it in the rearview mirror um it's not yet um we're better than we were um grace is a topic that i've ex is my third book in exploring it and it graces my reaction to the coarsening of public discourse. But uh, I look around and I see so much goodness in our world. And um, and that doesn't always make headlines. In fact, it, it never makes headlines. <laughs> but it's something that we're all looking for. And what we saw in the pandemic was the need for leaders who care. And again and again, surveys showed that's what employees wanted, particularly when they were working remotely. And now we're in this evolving workplace where some of us will be the face-to-face, -face, some of us will be virtual, and some of us will be hybrid. It depends on the workplace. You know? So, um, But in all of this stuff, we want our leaders to show that they care. And grace becomes that avenue. Now, when I talk about grace, grace to me is generosity, respect for others, and compassion. And when you do it from a leadership standpoint, Point, it means you act for the benefit of others and you energize the organization. In my new book, Grace <clears throat> Under Pressure, Leading Through Change and Crisis, change will always be with us and there will always be crises. Um, hopefully they're not always as significant <laughs> as what we have right. been experiencing. So this book is, is certainly born lessons of COVID, but it extends far beyond that. And I hope it has an evergreen approach to it because we're always going through change and change is not bad, but it's uncomfortable. And crisis can be um, uh, beneficial, even though it doesn't doesn't feel like it when we're going through it. So, but through it all, you know, the theme of, of grace under pressure is to give the concept of grace a little bit of muscle. So what do I mean by that? So backbone, spine, um, grace is, is a gift. It is given to us. Um, no strings attached. We decide what we're going to do with it. But when it comes to a leadership standpoint, so what does a leader do when things are unsettled? Well, he or she must do three things. One, take care of the team, take care of the people, take care of self, which is often the hardest because leaders often, as, as much as we don't like to say this, they kind of put themselves second when it comes to self-care. Right, and third, pre-people, yeah. And third, prepare for the future. Now, that's not rocket science. That's kind of a, a, tem, uh, a template that 
his time immemorial. My take on it is we have to do these three things with a sense of grace. So what do I mean by that? Courage, compassion, commitment, friendship, all of these types of things which make life better. And you as a medical practitioner, you know, you know this firsthand far better than I do, especially in your work. It's it's the human touch. And so um, we're all looking for that human touch, even if it's metaphorical or allegorical. We want to know that we belong. And so that was the thinking behind grace under pressure. So I, I absolutely love it. Like when I first heard the word grace and uh, was looking through some of the titles of, of things you've written and it, it appeared a few times and I'm like, that just to me resonates this peaceful confidence. And I just love how you, you stated that, yeah, this book gives muscle to grace that uh, you can be peaceful, calm at the same time where things are just going chaotic around you. Now, how right. do you think people can do that and how do leaders uh, uh, get, get their teams behind that then? Well, Dr. Dave, they have to read my book. Do you think I'm going to tell them? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it's not. Um, how they do it is to... Sh- is to demonstrate that they care. Now, right. I'm toying with, and I experiment in the book and explore it, and think of the workplace as community. Okay. And what is the essence of community? It's belonging. And when mm-hmm. we have a sense of belonging, we know that we are, we fit in, okay? And right. so leaders fit in and create those, con- or foster those conditions, and sometimes create to con- those conditions. And so, but life is not uh, always um, so smooth. And so we need leaders to step up and face the challenges. At the same time, we need them to keep it together when things around them are falling apart. You know, it's interesting that animals are so perceptive of human behavior. There are people who simply are afraid of dogs. And that makes, as we know, makes a dog skittish. Well, if you think about in a form of crisis, when a leader become skittish, um, then that sends nerve. <laughs> People get really nervous. Um, right. And, and um, so often in times of crisis, it's the people who are in the heart of it that remain the most calm. I do a show called Grace Under Pressure, and I've interviewed over 200 people, some of whom have been special forces types. And what they train for Are you ready to take your brain health to a brand new, higher level than ever before? Then please check out thehardybrain.ca and inquire about our virtual brain health intensive programs. And what they train for is to essentially, among many things, keep it together when the pressure is on. And so you train, you train, you train. We call it resilience training, whatever it is. So when the moment uh, of uh, uh, stress or be it combat, whatever happens, they can adapt. It doesn't mean they don't feel fear. It means they 
are there and resolute so that people can rely on them. And I think the same thing applies to our workplace, you know. Um, so when when we're going through a crisis, we want to believe in those in charge, but we also want to see that human element to them. And there's something very interesting. Um, Julia Burstein, who is a columnist for, excuse me, she's an on-air reporter for CNBC, has a new book called When Women Lead. And I interviewed Julia and she talked about some of the more effective leaders in times of isolation or when we were on the lockdown were women leaders. Why? Because they weren't afraid to ask questions. Now, we men want to keep it inside and show ourselves, but sometimes it's better to open yourself up, show a sense of vulnerability, humility, of course. But when you open yourself up and say, ask questions, bring others to you, it makes people feel, oh, we're all part of this shared enterprise. We're here today. We are seeing a living example of this with uh, President Zelensky in Ukraine. You know, he's on the air every day, I think, speaking to right. his people or the world and asking for help, of course. But he's also giving the message to his own people that we're all in this together and we will be resolute in the face of um, the Russian aggression. So, you know, He's keeping it together himself. He is an example of grace under pressure. Um, and he uh, it manifests that. So the, the question that, that's just popping into my mind then with you talking about all these amazing people and interviewing them and train, train, train for this resiliency and to keep it under under wraps when when pressure hits and crisis hits and be graceful what are some of these kind of training techniques that people can do on their own um how do they they train and bring this out good point um I interviewed a colleague, Dr. Uh, Sharon Melnick, um, who also has a new book out on the topic of resilience. She's something of an expert, and she she's got her uh, she's a, a PhD in psychology, but a she was a clinician for many years, and now she's an executive coach. What I'm saying, she has a background in science, so she talks about the sense of resilience, and let's think about resilience as an act, and, and so it's we get knocked down, we go through it, we come forward and we're transformed. That's an idea that uh, I, a colleague of mine, Eileen McDard talks about. Okay. So let's get back to what do you do? Well, it's understand you have limitations. You, you have to turn off. This is, and, and I know in your field, so many uh, 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 clinicians were burnt out during or experienced burnout sadly, too much of the time, but that's because they're always expected to be on. You need to learn to shut it down. And if you don't, it's you get overtaxed and it would be like you want to, your spirit wants to go forward, but your body is just worn out. Right. So you got to shut it down. So how do you do that? Well, it, it's a practice. I'm not going to take call or I'm not going to do this. I need my body needs to rest. And for leaders, that's hard sometimes because I need to be there for my people, which is good and admirable. But as that old saying about when, you know, when we're flying, if say if uh, we encourage um, turbulence and the masks come down, please <laughs> put your mask on <laughs> before you do a child. In other words, you got to take care of yourself first. So anyway, what, so what does that mean? 
And so you, be cognizant of it. What things you can do are simple breathing exercises. A colleague of mine, Ron, um, Donald Altman, talks about the pause. Simply get up, move from your desk, look out the window. If you have the opportunity, go outside. These are simple things. There are stress reduction exercises you can do. Um, uh, breathing, uh, deep breathing. Yoga is a good practice uh, because... And also uh, and part of the yoga breathing is deep breathing from diaphragm. And when you do that, you're engaging your diaphragm, which is in your body. And it kind of, uh, for me, it uh, I feel, oh, I'm getting in touch with myself. And I think that, as you know, especially from in your medical practice, that we humans try to power through things, but we can only go so far. <laughs> and so oh, exactly. we need to take care of our, yes. we need to take care of our physicality. So yeah. in short, I mean, I think it's breathing exercises, cognition, understanding limitations, not being, being a, a, a willingness to say, no, I cannot do this. And it's a matter of, that's not being, um, avoiding, um, uh, a challenge is preparing yourself for the next one or being there for your people the next day or the next week, whatever. So it's, it's a cognition that a hu sense of humility that I can't do it all. I need my own time. And, and that prepares the body to um, function more effectively. And when it comes to resilience, when you're depleted, you're going to get run over. And so, <laughs> so if you're not depleted, you're more adept at um, uh, effectively leading self and others. So I, I love it. This is resonating so much to me because, yeah, with the hardy brain method, these are things we teach to obviously rest recovery. And the whole athletic part in the athletic entrepreneur type thing, people don't have to be athletic. The mindset that yeah, you can't sprint a marathon needs to kick in. And uh, I'm just loving what you're saying. And it resonates so much. Now you have an entire chapter to, towards self-care in your book, correct? Um, it's integrated. Yes, I have. Yes, I have a, not a chapter, but it's sections. And so it's the breathing exercises. It's reflection. And, you know, that's a mental exercise. And here's something uh, about it, Dr. Dave, is that reflection um, need, while we think of it as a solo uh, enterprise, it can also be done with a trusted colleague, um, you know, bouncing mm -hmm. off ideas, um, right. getting feedback on one's behavior or thinking, whatever. So it's a back and forth, but it's necessary to, it's kind of a, think about it as a time out from the daily life. So you're dedicating it to yourself. Now, in my executive coaching practice, for nearly every leader I've ever coached, I always talk about reflection, making time for it. And I always find it heartening when people will say to me, hey, I have an afternoon dedicated to 
nothing on my calendar. Now, does sometimes that calendar uh, that afternoon get booked by something else? Sure, of course it does. But it's the practice of, hey, I'm going to do this. Now, reflection, also think about this. And you would know this and athletes know this. It doesn't have to be stationary. You don't have to be at a desk. It could be a meditative process. So you're outside or whatever, walking, exercising, doing this. But it's that dedicated thinking to here's what I need to do. So and the idea of self-care is also an acknowledgement of our limitations. Okay. So when, and I think new leaders and maybe entrepreneurs do this, I have to do everything. I have to be all things to all people. Well, that's, you know, a, a recipe for disaster, usually sooner than later. So you have to parcel yourself out. You have to learn to say no so that you can say yes when it matters to what's important. Um, and that's all so, part so of the self-care. What are some of these barriers that are stopping people from saying no? And how do they get Ego. more assertive with it? Ego. Ego is I can do it all. Okay. Um, the other thing is that that's one, but the other thing is I can't let other people down. So if I'm not there, if I'm not this, then, um, I am, um, but I'm, I'm burning myself out by doing that. Part of that too, you know, when I say, well, I have to be there for my people. Sometimes you do, there's no other situation. It's only the, the, the top person, whatever must be present. But a lot of that can be delegated. And sometimes that failure to delegate is, um, leads to not only burnout, but it also stunts the development of the people on your team. If you're always doing it, if you're always acting as mommy or daddy, they're not growing up and that's hindering the development of the team. So I think it's a mixture of ego, but I also think it's a mixture of um, a, a good intention to take care of people, but understand that there's a limit to what you can do. And there's an interesting thing. Adam Grant in his book, Give and Take, which was his first book, uh, right. um, he spoke about caregivers who don't burn out. And the reason they don't burn out is because they don't become overly invested in the outcome. They do what they can do and that's it. And then they, you know, move on. It's not that being dismissive of others, but if you become so personally invested in something and it doesn't work out, that can lead to negative consequences. So understanding your limits, you are a human being. All of us are different. Some of us have the capacity to give more than others. And I don't mean financially, but just personality, work schedule, commitment, family, all of those types of things. So um, understand what you can do, do what you can do, and congratulate yourself for doing it. You know, and right, part so of like the- that congratulate part. Yeah. Part of the concept of self-care is show, we ask people to show grace to others. You need to show grace to yourself, right. okay? Because, you know, you are, a, 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 I like to say, a frail human creature. Um, we're very resilient, but sometimes we're also fragile at the edges sometimes. Oh, so we need to find that balance. Um, yeah. And I think we're also more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. Uh, but self-care then in turn nurtures that ability to be resilient. 
So what would you say then to the solopreneur, uh, the cash strapped, I'm starting out, I'm barely making it through, I don't have a team. Uh, what do they need to work on so that they show the grace and they're always under pressure? <laughs> That's a very good question. And, um, and there's no easy answer for that uh, because if you're the doing it all yourself, the easy answer to say is do less of it. Okay, well, if my income depends on doing less, then I'm not going to be want, uh, wanting to do it. Finding out, I think, don't be afraid to ask for help. See if you, and it doesn't always, you know, develop a, a network of people that you can rely on for advice and for assistance. It doesn't have to be financial, but so that you can have somebody else to bounce ideas off. It can't all be yourself because if you, if you're just working all by yourself all of the time, and there's something, there's a difference between building a business by yourself and being a freelancer. Now being a freelancer is a business, trust me, but you're not, you're at your aspiration is not to build, uh, you're not, not to hire other people, initially. So we're talking about bu building a business, a startup, and, and you're only the only, you are the only person there. You have to understand what you can do and what you can't do and focus on what's most important. And here's the other thing. If things aren't working out, if it, test your assumptions, was I correct to go into this venue? Is there really a need for my service or this product? And um, sometimes you have to make that hard decision that the time is not right for me at this time. And so better to, I hate to say this, but in the long run, cut your losses at, 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 uh, at the right time. You know, so many entrepreneurs uh, get, got their start from being let go by another enterprise. And so we're used to those kinds of stories, okay? Like so-and-so yeah. gets fired or laid off, and so they start their own business and the success. We don't focus enough on entrepreneurs who fail. <laughs> not that we want them to fail, but not every, I mean, the success rate of business, of small startups is not good. <laughs> so, so, I mean, what is it? Uh, nine in 10 fail. I mean, I hope I'm wrong about that, but it's a significant, it's a, it's a majority. So understand what you can do. And the, so if you need to cut your losses, cut your losses, because otherwise it's just, you're going to be burning yourself out and probably wasting a lot of money at the same time. So, so with kind of the the quiet quitting and people leaving big corporations and starting their own thing. If this does happen to them, how do they rebuild? How do they go back to something maybe they don't want to, or they feel stuck now? That's an interesting, it's a couple uh, interesting to talk about the quiet quitting, because I think that's whenever I hear that term to me, that that's a, that's a, fault of management because right. it means that you have a workforce which is disengaged okay and they don't want to put it in <clears throat> i mean quiet quitting is the term for disengagement you know it's right. just a buzzword for that buzzword it's been around sadly it's been around forever we just didn't label it that way <laughs> so what you said is um a good question so if i leave my job or leave a stable job and do a startup and it doesn't work um learn how to frame what you have done 
Okay. I had an opportunity to build this business. It didn't work out, but here's what I learned about it might be, I'm not an entrepreneur and that's not the end of the world, but I'm really good working as part of a team for a larger organization. So that come to terms with what you have experienced, lay it out on a table and deal with it that way, but gain from it in the sense of do your after action review as you would for any major project. What did I learn from it? What did I do well? And what did I do not so well? That's the kind of thing. Hmm. Okay. Now you've written extensively, like uh, basically you have your own leadership library of, of books you've written um, from assertiveness to taking control to communication skills. All of this kind of comes into grace then as well. Um, how are, How's your leadership library you've produced connected? Well, I mean, it's my original. It's a good question, um, Dr. Dave. I mean, I started uh, my original career was in marketing communications. I evolved and became a speech writer. Um, so I worked with people at the top of the house. I went back to graduate school in my mid 40s and and. Um, and so, uh, and then I became, uh, started writing for, in my own voice, I went, and then I became an executive coach. So I worked in this idea of human development. So my early books are essentially my exploration of leadership from what I had learned from books and some experience, but over time, the more I coached, the more I spoke, the more I consulted, um, and, and said so that it, it deepened. I, I like to think of my early work as sort of, um, leadership, um, uh, nuts and bolts management and leadership. So good, solid, functional stuff where I am now, I'm at the sunset of my career, not ready to close it out yet, I but the not. topic of <laughs> the topic of leadership is, excuse me, the topic of grace is where I want to focus my energy. And to me, it's, it's a, it's a, um, an outgrowth from work I've done in the concept of purpose. You know, I did a book called lead with purpose, giving your organization a reason to believe in itself. Grace is an offshoot of that in the sense of how we do it. Okay. And I have this um, saying of, uh, uh, that, um, that, um, uh, we talk about our purpose, and that comes from uh, Simon Sinek. Sinek says, um, uh, our why, okay? But purpose fuels our vision, which is our sense of becoming. Um, and from that becomes our mission, which is our building. And then the other part comes our values. And what are values? That's the belonging. That's where grace comes in. You know, you can, you can have a vision, you can build a business in spite of people. <laughs> so, and we have examples of that, but how much better to do it with people, with a sense of community, with a sense of belonging, with a sense of grace. And by grace is focusing on the, the better angels of our nature, if you will. So that is creating a workplace where people want to be there. So they are, to use the uh, term, they're fully engaged and their hearts and minds are in it. I love it. Now, let's do a little demonstration here. 
Uh, let's get you under a little bit of pressure. And so the first one here, let's test, test this grace out, is are you able to list your books in alphabetical order? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> in 10 seconds, ready? <laughs> I, I couldn't even begin to, to, to do it. No, I, I couldn't. Uh, uh, no, it's a good question, but not me. <laughs> so. All right, so. too much pressure, I guess. <laughs> there is a lot of books. Uh, what about uh, in order of when you wrote them? Oh, I could do that. Yeah. Um, I started with personal leadership, then a couple of books on, on um, um, easy things to do, 180 ways to do it. These are very short booklets. I did three books on the topic of my great series, um, great communication secrets, great motivation, and great um, how great leaders get great results. Um, then I did a couple of, um, I don't know, missing some stuff in there. Uh, the book on purpose I talked about, Oh, um, yeah. leaders, uh, pocket guide that that's really a, my right. solid, uh, practical guide. It's a coaching. It's, it, it's the dedication is it's dedicated to the people that I have coached over the years who taught me. <laughs> so it's a shout out to them. And then, um, my book on purpose, a book on moxie and then three books on grace. So that's, I probably missed some, but that's where I'm at. <laughs> I love it. No, that was awesome. And uh, so ultimate goal with Grace Under Pressure, uh, if you could get it into the hands of kind of which sectors and the top people, uh, where do you think this book is going to take people and what are your goals with it now that's? That's a very good question. And I think to acknowledge the power of grace as a force for good. And from a leadership standpoint, how can you exhibit grace to make the work lives of others better and in turn get the kind of results which are sustainable over time? Right. Now, people don't need to be the top leader to read this book, right? Uh, uh, oh, no. I, I'm hoping it goes at, at every level. Um, uh, probably people within uh, management sphere, but also uh, coaches. It will appeal to them, I think, because it may open new avenues. If I may say so, I'm probably, I mean, if you do a search on the topic of grace as a book, you'll find thousands of books. I'm one of the few. If maybe the only one that focuses on grace in a secular sense, in a leadership sense for organ, uh, uh, in a sectarian, in a secular sense, so mm -hmm. that it's not faith-based. I respect the faith-based traditions, of course, but this book opens up, in my mind, what grace can do for all of us, regardless of if we are uh, bare of faith or no faith or work in a secular environment, as most of us do. So I, I love it. And uh, once again, uh, the term bringing muscle to grace really resonates with me. And there is so much more we can uh, we can obviously dive into. But people need to go out and, and read this book. It just brings things together. And uh, if they wanted to find out more information about yourself, uh, where would they find you? 
Well, the easiest place is um, just my website, which is johnbaldoni.com. My books are listed there. Uh, all of my books are uh, on Amazon as well as other retails, um, uh, retail establishments. You can, if it's not on the shelf, you can order it. Um, and um, I also write extensively for online. I'm a longtime contributor to Forbes.com as well as to Smart Brief. And I also do a show on LinkedIn um, called uh, Grace Under Pressure. Uh, great title, huh? Uh, <laughs> I usually do an interview a week um, on that. And there's I have a whole library of um, already I've done more than 200 shows. So there's quite a bit of information there. So right. um, just do a search on my name and something will pop up. Perfect. And we can also catch you playing the piano, right? <laughs> yeah, that's my uh, that's my avocation. And um, I, I uh, I uh, went back to I played as a child, but I abandoned it for some time. And then I was able to I went back to it and I started playing in my community. And then when COVID struck, uh, we I couldn't play in public. So um, I said, hey, I'll just do these little bits of uh, piano. And I try to post something every week on LinkedIn. So it's I call it Monday motivation, just a, a one to two minute little piano piece. Uh, often it's my rendition of an, of an existing piece of uh, all kinds of things from classical to country, if you will, and all kinds of stuff thrown in. And sometimes I improvise some of my own little things. Uh, so that's a lot of fun to do. And I'm actually back in uh, uh, one of our area hospitals. I, uh, I'm the headliner and on Wednesdays, I play in the lobby. <laughs> so, nice. Great so, thing to do. Fun. Yeah. And now, that's you know, interesting. You mentioned this because um, when I mentioned the hospital, part of what I, uh, my understanding of grace is my observations of what I have seen um, and how staff um, treats um, uh, patients and family members and things like that. And I, and I always see it, um, uh, the sense of grace, the sense of courtesy and, uh, and caring for others. We see it mostly in nurses, of course, but I see it at every level, staff um, um, tr treating uh, um, people the way they would like to be treated. So it's a great example of grace in action, if you will. So, Well, you tie it in so many different careers, professions under this big umbrella that is really going to impact a lot of people's lives. And I, I thank you for sharing that and encourage everyone to, to definitely reach out to John and take in this wealth of knowledge that's provided and for Everyone listening in, stay tuned to the next episode of The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. Take care.